Welcome to the Ditch the Suits podcast, where we get real about the stuff no one in the financial world wants you to know about. Learn how you can better manage your family's wealth while protecting it from financial exploitation and so-called financial advisors. Here's to your financial awakening. Welcome your host, Steve Campbell and Travis Moss. Well, welcome back to Ditch the Suit. Steve Campbell here. We are starting off a new series here talking about multi-generational planning. You know, we've done a number of episodes now talking about personal financial planning, understanding that this is your money and your life. And we've also talked about this idea of wealth and what wealth means to you. Uh, Wealth are the things that you value, the people you cherish. And many times these could be our kids, uh, the children we have, our grandchildren. And a big component of financial planning is understanding how best to gift money to your kids and grandchildren. You know, there's a lot involved. I think this is something that when we think about it, we all want to make sure we're doing quote unquote the right thing, but we don't know many times how to even get started, what we need to consider. So in this topic today, we're going to start to talk about the factors and considerations involved in multi-generational planning. And Travis and I are going to spend some time talking about some of the biggest ones, which include taxes, uh, understanding you know your kids' situations and what financial shape they may be in. Um, also understand you want to maybe experience this money with your kids while you're still here and what you can consider. Um, and then just understanding the different types of accounts you have and the different tax rules and strategies. So stay tuned. This is going to be a great conversation. And as always, we appreciate uh, stopping by Ditch the Suit. If this podcast resonates with you, please leave us a review, share it with others. Uh, Your words can inspire somebody else to become a believer, and we hope you appreciate this episode. So as you're building out your financial plan, there's probably other people you're considering, mostly your children. If you have children, the money that you have now will eventually potentially someday go to them. But there's a lot of factors that are involved in terms of planning that you need to be thinking about. These are what we would call multi-generational factors that you really need to be thinking about in regards to your financial planning now, as opposed to in the future. So Travis, when, when you're talking with people, what are some things that we should be considering when it comes to multi-generational planning? The top of mind for a lot of people with assets that they have a pretty good idea they're going to outlive, so they're going to end up passing them on to some heirs, is how do I do this the right way? When do I do it? When right. when do I start gifting assets or, or transferring assets? And, and people, for all sorts of reasons, start to ask this question. A lot of times it's age-based. People don't really think about gifting too often until they get into their 60s or 70s and you know really have a better idea of where they are financially for retirement. Right. Um, I think something happens when you get towards your 70s where all of a sudden you realize, geez, I, I don't even need the RMDs that are going to be coming out in a couple of years. You got to start thinking about gifting. Yep. Um, or the, you know, the kids are doing really good and they want to help the kids in some way. Sometimes people are thinking about it the other way though. They're thinking about, I don't want to spoil my kids. Uh, I want them to still work hard and save money. Uh, people are very private. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't want to have the conversation with the kids. Um, sometimes when you're talking about this type of planning, kids and, and parents, they just they don't even they they don't even know how to have the conversation about one of them not being there one day. So, right. so we have a lot to think about and 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 people approach this discussion or this idea from a lot of different directions for a lot of different reasons. And the reality for everybody is if you've if you've been successful and you have accumulated financial resources is that eventually it's going to have to go to the next generation. So a couple of, of things to think about is 
do we put that next generation in the best possible position uh, to handle that transition? Right. And do we get to set up the terms of the transition on our terms or are we just going to like let it default to fate and time, which typically will lead to bad results, you know, more taxes or uh, more expense at the time or missed opportunities. So I think right. we wanted to get into really, you know, some of the different aspects of what we need to consider when we're, when we're trying to address multi-generational planning, uh, which is, you know, how do I get my kids involved in this before I'm about to check out? Yep. And, and, you know, when people come in, I think they have good intentions. I think to what you said right at the beginning is people want to do the right thing, but sometimes knowing what right means uh, is very customized depending on your situation, the number of children you have, personalities, how, how maybe you took in money, inherited money, things that you've experienced yourself. And so setting up that next generation and what that looks like is really important. But as we've said in all these episodes, we never want to make a decision just in a vacuum or in a bubble uh, because there's usually multiple factors involved with, with how we can do things. And it's not, it's not so much getting from point A to B, but it's getting to the final destination in the best way possible, not only potentially for yourself, but those that you may be trying to take care of. So for somebody listening to this, who's, who knows that inevitably someday their children, uh, whether they're adults now, they're younger, um, maybe inheriting their money or taking on their assets, what are some of the biggest considerations or areas that people need to think about before they start thinking about, you know, the what, what are those things that people need to consider as they're thinking about the next generation? I've got about four different things that I think are pretty common amongst mm -hmm. people. So some variation of them, sometimes a multiple of them. The first thing that normally kind of sets off a, a red flag to a planner that they should be talking to a client about this normally is driven by more by taxes. So okay. if you're very affluent, maybe, or, or depending on the state that you live in, maybe there's some estate taxes that you need to take into concern or into account where if you had a gifting strategy, pre-death, you could potentially move money out of your state and not incur state taxes at the end. Yeah. Um, and then there's another uh, concept called IRD or income respect to descendant. And that that is essentially the tax bill that you leave behind. So people get confused with this all the time because they think, you know, you talk to a friend or something, you say, well, you don't get taxed on things unless, when somebody passes away because there's no estate taxes or something like that, or the estate tax threshold is really high. Well, estate taxes are one thing. That's if you have, you know, over a certain amount of money, but that has nothing to do with income taxes. Income taxes can also be due, like say, for instance, on a retirement account that you inherit. If you inherit your parents' 401k or IRA account, you're going to be responsible for the income taxes on the balance as it comes out. And due to the rules that the that were essentially created with the Secure Act, you no longer can stretch those out over a lifetime. In, in most situations, it's right. what we would call a ten-year rule. So you have ten years to cash it out. So a parent can unknowingly leave a million dollars to their kids, thinking, "Wow, look, this is great. My kids are going to get a million dollars, and the kids within the first ten years are going to have to pay three hundred fifty thousand of that in income taxes." You know, given wow. their maybe whatever their situation is. And so that's what we mean by IRD. So a lot of times when we're looking at financial planning with a client and the client isn't necessarily bringing it up, we might be bringing it up because we're looking at the overall tax situation. We're saying, geez, you know, 
you've got a lot of extra resources, you're, you're, a lot of discretionary money here uh, that's even above and beyond your vacations and your philanthropy and all that kind of stuff. And it's actually cost, you know, going to cause future income tax situations or future estate tax situations. So maybe we should incorporate some gifting plans and shift that money over to control that future tax bill. And so that's that's one trigger to start bringing in, you know, a, a, um, a more holistic approach. And that leads you to really looking at, let's say that you have two kids and, and one of the kids is very well off financially. One's become, you know, some kind of um, engineer or something, and they're very high up in the company and they make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. And they're they're very successful financially, but their tax bracket's really high. And then you have another child that went the nonprofit route and not as high an income, maybe as equally successful, yep. but the tax bracket's just much lower. If you leave them each half of your retirement account, the child who is more successful is actually receiving less because there's more IOU to the government. There's more income in you know, the IRD concept. There's more taxes that they're going to have to pay off that money because they're already in a higher tax bracket. Yep. So when we understand our tax situation, and we understand that it's not just our tax situations, the tax situation we maybe could impose on our children mm-hmm. by the assets that we leave them. It kind of behooves us to say, you know, I'm not trying to be nosy kids, but I want to leave you both some money. And I want to make sure that we, you know, that you get as much money as you can, not the IRS. So let's have some discussion about where you are kind of tax wise. So I know, you know, uh, which assets to leave to which child, for instance, if you had a half million dollar IRA and a half million dollar after tax account, you might adjust that. So they both get the same amount after taxes. Yep. Even though one might get more on just a dollars and cents standpoint, just on paper, right. but by the time they cash it out, it all kind of nets out Yep. to account for those, those tax situations. It's just smart. Some people might say, well, I don't want to do that because it's too complicated. Well, not doing it means that you're essentially just writing a blank check to the IRS. You're just basically saying, I'd like to pay you an extra, it could be tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars difference in taxes. I'd like yep. to pay you ex- extra taxes just because, Yep. you know, and, and it might take, you know, a total of five hours over the rest of your life to be able to do these calculations. Well, and it's to really set your kids up for success, right? If, if we tie back to all the episodes we've done describing this concept of wealth and what wealth means, if you said that wealth are your two, your three, your four kids, your one child, uh, and they mean the world to you, well, then any parent would want to make sure that when they're not here anymore, that their parent is in the most successful position. And you know, most people, I would assume when they think about leaving money to their kids, it's filling out maybe a beneficiary form. They might name their spouse as a primary beneficiary, and then their contingent is split equally amongst the kids, which, you know, common thought would be, you know, that's that's good, you know, to some degree, you're at least naming beneficiary. So kudos there. But now you're talking about getting more granular into more of you know, making sure that you're not just leaving something for your kids, but you're leaving something that is going to be appropriate for their situation based on their, you know, their level of job, their income, the way that you're looking at your assets, like a money business, uh, to make sure that what you're leaving to each one is appropriate for their each given given situation. So I think it's not it's not just doing something for the sake of doing something, but going back to doing the right thing is kind of the foundation of this conversation. It's really important to understand that IRD and how it can affect the next generation. 
I know that there's a couple other factors too that people may not be aware about, but would be good to put in front of their radar as part of the conversation. So what's a couple other ones? So you're also thinking about what I would call a usage benefit. So let's say that you're in a situation where you're fortunate, your kids are successful, they're good kids, and mm-hmm. they appreciate money and, and the things that money can do for them, but they're not, they're not wasteful. So you're not necessarily afraid to gift to them. So if, yep. if it's the other way around, where you're a little afraid to gift to them because of what they might do with the money or how they might treat it, that's a different, we're going to talk about that later. Yep. But I think if, if you're in a situation where you're confident that you know the kids are good, they have good heads on their shoulders, they're doing good things, and you're just debating, should I give it to them now or should I give it to them in 10, 15 years? If the kids understand, and by kids, I, a 40-year-old is still your kid, right? So, yep. I mean, these are successful adults that we're talking about. I'm not talking right. about an 18-year-old who's maybe going to go to college or not, but I'm talking about you're in your 60s or 70s and you're thinking about, should I be gifting? And your 40 or 50-year-old children, are they are as you know, financially capable as they're probably going to be by that right. point. Right. And so, you know, you trust them. We're going to give them some funds. It's a matter of when. And so when you're thinking about when, think about what they might do different if they knew those funds were going to be received. For instance, mm-hmm. would they uh, worry a little bit less about saving for retirement and, and focus on paying down student loans more for their kids? Right. Would they, if they know they're going to inherit a large retirement account from you, um, would they look at what they're putting in their retirement account and maybe do the Roth retire the Roth 401k where they don't get the tax deduction, but they won't be forced to take money out and pay taxes, yep. you know, later on when they're inheriting all that money for you that's taxable. Yep. So there's there's some things that they might do differently. They might gift to their children differently. Um, mm-hmm. They might, you know, it you could see a ripple effect there as far as they might tell you, Hey, mom and dad, don't give it to me. We got enough. I'd rather see you put it in trust for the grandkids. Yep. Um, because if you give it to them, then they got to turn around and figure out how to get it to the grandkids. And, yep. and it might kind of muck up their estate plan. I mean, some, some of us are in a really good situation where, you know, somebody's done a good job and their, their kids are better off than they are. And, and they themselves are pretty well off. So, you know, you, you want to have this conversation with them because it might empower them to do something different, understanding what could come down the pike to them. And it's not like saying, okay, I have $4 million and you're going to get $4 million. So you don't have to save anything. That's the wrong conversation. The right conversation is I have some money and in our financial projections, it appears that we're going to have somewhere between two and $6 million left over when we're all said and done and walking out on, on this earth. And that's going to come to you. And it's going to be mostly in the form of after-tax money or taxable money or real estate or however it's going to come. Let's talk about how you want to receive that. Yep. And, and let's talk about the impact that that might have on you and your finances. Because if there are things that you need to do to set up now or, or otherwise would do differently, I think you need that opportunity. There's well, I, think also good, whole, I think it's good go to ahead. park right there for a second too, because you're talking about seeing this from the perspective of your adult child. You know, you might be tentative to have a kind of conversation with your kid about you no longer being here because no child wants to talk to their parent with the thought that mom and dad are never going to be here. But I think as going to back to doing the right thing and setting them up for success, you know, when your kids have a good head on their shoulder, 
I mean, you know, from an early age, the way that you talk about your kids with other friends, the things that you experience, you, you, as you watch your kids grow up and develop, you know, who handles money well, who handles decisions well, who's mature, uh, who's mature from a young age, who has kind of an older soul, if you will, you can see in your kids pretty clearly the type of people that they're becoming. Now there's a difference between, you know, your kids learning up and making some mistakes along the way, which can, you know, make them a better person as they grow up. We've all been there, but you know, in your adult children, 20 year olds, 30 year olds, um, that the way that they are is probably the way they're going to be. So you also have to think about leaving them something, you know, especially a considerable amount of money. How will that affect them? Right. Will that, will they all of a sudden now become more responsible or will they blow it faster? So when you know your kids, what you're talking about is understanding how they might do things if you included them in part of the conversation today, you know, to bring them to the table and talk about, you know, here's something that we would like to do for you. And here's what we're considering. How does this make you feel? And you may think you, you know, something about them, but you find out maybe they have an interest or they're, they're an entrepreneur or they have rental income, they own properties. Maybe you didn't know all, because we face it, we don't know everything about all our family members unless we ask the questions. So by allowing them to come to the table with you and have part of this conversation about mom and dad, I really appreciate you thinking about me in this way, but you know, based on what you just said, knowing my financial situation, here's what would really help me think about how much more empowering that would be because it still allows you to be able to do something to honor them. But then because of what they, they tell you, it allows you to also make sure that you're again, putting them in the best decision by understand what would put them you know, in a better position once you're not here. So it's a, it's a fascinating way, I think, for a lot of people because maybe they don't want to talk about it. Maybe it's taboo. You know, they don't want to tell their kids how much money they have. They want to make sure things are confidential. But to really make sure that your wishes as well as theirs are being taken of, these are kind of conversations that you want to, you know, start to think about. Um, so is there anything else along these lines, Travis, when we're talking about usage benefit that you wanted to cover? Well, you need, you need to make sure that you're not... Um let's say uh, misinterpreting the point to the conversation. It's not to say, yep. look how much money I have or anything like that. In fact, you can have this conversation without giving dollar amounts out. Sure. And it's not a more, it doesn't have to be a morbid conversation. For instance, number one, it could be a smart conversation. Like, Hey, right. I have some money and um, we're, we're working with our financial advisor and we're thinking about whether you know, I'm thinking about talking to them about whether or not we should be gifting now or, you know, it shouldn't be part of our estate plan. So one of my questions for you was, you know, son or daughter should, you know, if we were to gift some money into the 529 or the college savings plan, would that help? They may look at you and say, no, it's completely funded already. We've already got it done. And you might go, That's oh, good. well, it's a good thing you didn't put money in a, in a, in a 529 account then because they don't need it. And so now when right. you go to get it out, you're going to get penalized. Right. So then you could say, oh, okay, well, how could I help then? Yeah. Right. It's okay to ask, how could I help instead of telling them how you're going to help? Say, how could I help? Yeah. Um, you'll be surprised. They might say, well, you can't help. We're good. We don't need help. Okay. But I, you know, I do have some money that, that I need to get for estate purposes. So what's the best way? Do you want me to give that to the grandkids? I can put it in trust for them. How do, what do you want me to do with this? Sure. The other thing is, is like for, for parents, and and this normally comes from like a, a place of regret, things that happen later on in life. And you go, boy, I wish I had known about that. Or I, I wish I had help. I didn't know I, that they needed it or something like that. Experience the inheritance with your errors. So like, think about it like this. Like if you were to give a gift to your kids and 
I, the story I always use, they paved their driveway and put up a basketball court and they can pay for their, your grandkids to go to basketball camp and your grandkid grows up to be a great basketball player and goes to college to play basketball. A lot of that is because you gave them maybe the financial resources to get him the coaching and, and, and the facilities at home and everything to be able to do that. Can you enjoy the, watch what your family will do with the money and actually get to be a part of that as opposed to, you know, think about if you, if you have longevity in your family, you live to your 95 years old and then you pass away and then the money goes to your 75 year old kids who are already financially well off and taken care of. And they're like, what the heck am I going to do with the money? Right. You know, and your grandkids are already in their fifties, you know, by then, or even early sixties, it's just kind of like the money just is, keeps collecting dust. It's what if some of that could have already trickled down and maybe would have, you don't want to make it too easy, right? You want your kids to have to learn and, and fend for themselves and, you know, lo- learn important skills and establish their set themselves professionally. But at the same time, you also don't want them to really suffer and struggle if, if you can help them. And if it will make a profound impact, if they're doing everything that else that they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So being able to help them along that journey, think about where else they might get. Maybe they get their student loans paid off earlier and that frees up more money to go into the retirement account. And now they're even able to save more. I, we have clients that just will give the kid, grandkids money or the kids money and it goes into their Roth accounts. It just helps them fund a Roth every year or help make sure that they can max fund their retirement accounts by giving them cash to use. Or, you know, we talked, we did a, a whole episode on um, buying houses in, in a hot real estate market. You know, sometimes coming, helping to come up with a down payment as houses get more expensive, it costs more to buy them. Right. You know, so there, there can be a lot of ways to help people if you're having the conversation about it and say, hey, by the way, from, from just a, a prudency standpoint, from our own personal planning, we have some money that we want to get. You know, is there anything that that they particularly could go towards, uh, given whatever your preference is? And and then the last one, I I think before we kind of wrap this area up is, um, you know, just really focusing on when you're gifting, especially for those who are philanthropic as well, the types of assets you have, the types of investment accounts can dictate the way that you can give. Yep. And understanding in the grand scheme of things, you know, like we talked about earlier, the impact of the income tax is not only your own, but theirs as well. But also if you're doing, you know, charitable stuff in there, how to maybe put those concepts together, mm-hmm. um, try to leverage tax situations. You might, let's say that you have um, children that are married, and they're, but they're under the capital gains threshold. And you have some money that you want to gift them and it's invested. So you go and you sell your investments and you pay the capital gains for them. So they don't have to do that. And then you give them cash. Well, that's silly because if you had just given them the the investments, if you just transferred the stocks over to them with their cost basis and they sold them and they're still under the capital gains threshold, they wouldn't have had to pay any taxes on it. So, So it can also be a wealth retention method from a standpoint of if you're Kids are in a situation where their tax rates are so much lower than yours that they would not even have to pay taxes on something. You know, you have to look at the pieces that you have and say, I could I could either hold on to that asset for the next 30 years till I pass away someday and hope that the company, you know, is still doing as good as it is today. Yep. Or I might be able to transfer some of that stock right to them now because their income tax is lower, they get out of the taxes. So not only do they get an awesome gift, 
And and we have clients that do that and, and they just reinvest it. I mean, the kids aren't even spending the money because they've got the same values as their parents, which is how their parents accumulated the money. And so they just yep. reinvest it. And they're just learning about investments that way. You know, before they're they're trying to manage a couple hundred thousand instead of a couple million, it's it's a good learning opportunity. Well, in the, in many, many cases, the kids are pretty darn responsible and it's a better experience for them to learn on smaller amounts. Then all of a sudden it gets dropped in their lap and now they got to figure out, I went from managing, you know, my, my $200,000 401k to managing my $4 million inherited portfolio. Oh my gosh. Right. You know, that's a big change and, and it only gets more dynamic the, the larger that portfolio gets as far as the taxes and the investment types and the fees and all that kind of stuff. Well, and if you're listening and you're, you know, even wondering some of the things that we're talking about, we're just trying to show you that there's a lot more baked into this than just a simple decision. You know, we've talked about taxes. We've talked about the idea of how would your heirs do things differently, that usage benefit idea. We've talked about creating experiences while you're still alive. And now we're talking about maximizing the different types of accounts you have because Travis is talking about, you know, gifting some assets and you might not even knew that you could do that. But what this all ties into is the importance of actually having a financial plan. You can't know what you can create an experience with dollar-wise if you don't have an idea of what you have and what tools you can even work with. So you don't want to jump jump the you know the cart a little bit here by trying to do too much too fast. You really want to start to build out a plan that makes sure that you are doing the right things, but that you're also doing it strategically to minimize taxes and to make sure that your kids are enjoying the experience as much as you are, to bring families together and make sure that this is a an experience for you, not only while you're here, but long after you're gone. So we want to bring this to your attention because I think there's a lot of people that if they're being honest, want to do something for their kids. Um, they don't know what to do. Maybe they're going to the internet and Googling how to leave money to your kids. Maybe they've asked a friend and they just think it's copy, paste and repeat, but your situation is different from another coworker or neighbor down the street. So it's not a one size fits all. There's different dynamics at play. And in some, some of these future uh, podcast episodes, we want to talk about then kind of this inheritance conundrum. What do you do? How do you gift? Do you not gift? What are the ways that you can do it? When do you start? What are the priorities? But at least to lay the foundation that if you're thinking about your financial plan and leaving something to your kids, there's a lot more involved than maybe just naming them as a contingency as a, on a beneficiary form. So as always, we appreciate you stopping by. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to speak to you today. And until next time, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Ready to ditch the suits? Remember, it's your money and your life. For more information, visit seedpg.com. That's seedpg.com. If this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. And be sure to share with a friend.